0: Welcome to Tax Conversations Africa, a five-part series on the use of research evidence in influencing government policies towards fair tax systems in Africa. In our previous episode, we focused on Zambia and the lessons learned in the use of research evidence in taxing the tobacco industry. Tax is the price we pay for living in a civilized society. However, the question on what tax system guarantees a fair tax is highly contested. What is the role of civil society research evidence in influencing government policies towards tax systems in Africa? And how can policymakers use country-specific data to build fairer tax systems on the continent? Welcome to Tax Conversations Africa, the podcast offering alternative thought to African tax systems. Tax Conversations Africa is powered by the Tax Justice Network Africa in partnership with the Institute for Economic Justice and the generous support from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. I'm your host for this podcast and my name is Ishmael Zulu. As a landlocked country in East Africa, Uganda depends on imports that mostly come through the port of Mombasa in Kenya. Most of Uganda's imports are from India and China as it exports more to the local economic region of the East African Community, EAC. Uganda has in recent times engaged in relooking its double taxation agreements with some of its trading partners Civil society organizations in Uganda have long called for the renegotiations of double taxation agreements, DTAs, to curb challenges of illicit financial fluke and to maximize domestic resource mobilization. Today, we focus on Uganda, looking at double taxation agreements in the Pearl of Africa. And I am joined by Robert Suna, an independent consultant on tax, trade, and investments based in Kampala, Uganda. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Thank you for having me, Ishmael. Great, let's get started. Now, off the bat, Robert, paint for us a picture. Of the environment in which CSOs in Uganda work in the context of double taxation agreements, which is now becoming a topical issue?
1: Thank you very much, Ismail, for that uh, question. The civil society organizations in Uganda over time have called for renegotiation uh, of existing double taxation agreements between Uganda and some of her trading partners, after realizing that uh, many of them were largely eroding the the little revenue base uh, that the country has been generating over time. And I think the same is being replicated elsewhere in other countries, uh, in in Western Africa and, for instance, Senegal, uh, Nigeria have been pushing for. Renegotiation uh, of the same. What is motivating that is that uh, the recognition that the involvement of other stakeholders such as private sector, civil society, and parliamentary oversight in the whole process of the taxation agreement has been very much limited. Uh, taxation agreements have been more of a boardroom affair between elites and technocrats in the ministries of finance and uh, their counterparts of the uh, negotiating partners. So that's the story that uh, the civil society in Uganda is trying to change over time. And uh, and I think they are succeeding on some fronts, as we shall discuss uh, later on in the
0: podcast, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for that introduction, Robert. And I think it leads me into my next question. So what are some of the specific areas of need that in your mind CSOs can support policymakers in Uganda?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think the interaction between society and uh, policymakers has been largely affected by the the belief that civil society organizations do not have the capacity to produce what we call evidence-based research. In other words, they have been branded uh, noisemakers in the past times, but currently I'm happy to report that at least a uh, majority of our civil society organizations have invested a little bit more in research and evidence, in which case they have also supported the policy makers by building even their own capacity. In other words, now when they reach negotiations or discussions regarding policy formulation on taxation, they seem to be on the same level. In the past, in the past events there were always conflicts uh, to say government is not believing that actually uh, the civil society organizations are are, are producing enough research to influence policy in some instances there are also cases of uh, government believing that actually development agencies or development partners or donors are supporting Civil society organisations to advance agenda of foreign countries, and not necessarily improving the policy formulation process in Uganda. So those those two issues tend to complicate the relationship between civil society and and the policymakers. So and 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 when those issues are not ironed out, it becomes very difficult. Uh, to create trust between the policymakers and uh, the civil society organization so those are the cr- critical components that we need to work on if we are to encourage um, if we are to encourage more interaction between civil society and policymakers and be able to use research evidence to influence uh, tax policy in our country
0: um, that that is very interesting and it makes me curious um, how are some of the inputs that CSOs have produced, take, for instance, reports, policy briefs, advocacy messages, how have those inputs been received in Uganda by the policymakers? Um, are policy makers enthusiastic? Um, is it positive? How, how has that been?
1: Well, like I said earlier on, it, it is a mixed bag of some sort. Uh, the the policy makers have utilized some of this information. For instance, I'll give an example of an existing alliance called the Tax Justice Alliance in Uganda, uh, which regularly meets during the fiscal planning cycle uh, to review uh, changes in tax policy that have a bearing on nationals, and then they make their alternative proposals to government. And they engage with uh, uh, the, budget, the budget committee of parliament to present such alternative proposals uh, to shape the the narrative on the tax uh, tax policy formulation process. And then also sometimes they also meet to design even uh, or review existing ones to to make uh, suggestions to government on how they can improve uh, the policy formulation framework. So I've seen that one happen. On the other hand, there is a general feeling uh, that actually the space for civil society is not uh, guaranteed in terms of influencing policy. Uh, Recently, we saw a crackdown on over 51 national uh, NGOs which were being supported under the Democratic Governance Facility Uh, for government was thinking that uh, the support going through the government facility has other agenda which are politicized uh, than than what they are intended to do in the country. So, in such an environment, uh, it, it becomes not very clear on uh, to what extent the evidence that is being produced is taken on by government. But I'm aware of uh, uh, stakeholder engagements that are taking place based on such publications. What civil society now has done is that even without direct formal engagement with policymakers such information is laid through the media, uh, printing, broadcast, uh, website, social media, and you see the number of mentions of uh, research that has been produced by civil society organization increasing over time. So for me, I think um, the future is brighter in terms of engagement with the civil society, albeit some, some mistrust between policy makers and, uh, and, and the civil society organization, but we are on the right, in the right road, uh, if you ask me.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to hear that the future is brighter. Thank you for staying tuned to Tax Conversations Africa. Today, a conversation about double tax agreements with a focus on Uganda. Um, coming back to our discussion um robert what are some of the other factors that affect this nexus between evidence research and outcomes
1: thank you very much as i was saying earlier on uh, the major issue that has affected this nexus is to do with capacity and not capacity only on the side of the civil society organizations but also on the side of the policymakers. The whole discussion on our taxation agreements mm-hmm. and taxation in broader terms is regarded a uh, an light or technical uh, discussion. In which case, the policy makers and society have not had that flat ground to agree that actually we understand these matters together. Okay, so you you find that. Uh, the government does not believe or the policy makers do not believe that uh, actually what civil society organizations are producing as research is worth the pinch of soil to influence policy, a pinch of salt to influence policy. The policy makers are politicians, not necessarily technical people or technocrats in the taxation arena. So what has been done now is if we can shape all build a narrative where capacity of both the civil society organizations and that of the policy makers is built so that they speak at the same level. It becomes easier to come to a level ground when we are negotiating or discussing matters of, uh, of national importance, such as uh, double taxation agreements. So that, the issue of capacity has to be um, handled. The second component is the influence of. Uh, of uh, the influence of the donor community or the development partners, uh, it is this general feeling that, for instance, Uganda's tax policy is shaped by uh, recommendations from the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. Uh, and then, and then the the, the area issue that I discussed, the donors that are funding civil society organisations are sometimes mistaken to be advancing agendas beyond uh uh economic governance or taxation in general so if we can iron out even the donor or development partner relationship vis-a-vis government and then the donor development partner relationship with uh, civil society then that that will address much of the problems that are that are shaping the landscape of, of tax policy formulation and and in particular taxation agreements
0: robert as we draw to a close Topics such as double taxation agreements in Uganda uh, is one major area that could benefit from the support of CSOs in the tax policy formulation process, as you have already shared. Now looking at Uganda's economy, what still needs to be unlocked in the area of tax optimization? How can the country uh, improve its domestic resource mobilization?
1: Thank you very much for that question, and say a million dollar question, like what can we do better that we haven't done before? And uh, it, can, it is multifaceted uh, in a sense that it, it bears a component of policy, but also bears a component of tax administration. From the policy perspective, you, you for instance, wish to look at our uh, economic structure as a country, we are largely an agrarian economy. Uh, over 69, 70 percent of our um, nationals are, 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 are dependent on agriculture, all are engaged in agriculture, and our agriculture sector is largely non-monetized. Taxing, it becomes very difficult. So you find it is contributing over 21 percent to the gross domestic product or national output, but uh, contributing less than one percent to the revenue basket. So, as we transform, as we think of generating more revenue, I think there is need to transform our agricultural sector to make it more uh, monetized, so that taxation of the same becomes easier. Yeah. So that has been one of uh, one major one major component. When you have a large agricultural sector and then a large, uh, largely okay, closely associated with a large informal sector, it becomes difficult to design a policy that really. Uh, uh, that will uh, generate the necessary revenue from such a sector. Another issue is to do with the capacity of the tax administration. Sometimes we, we tend to look much at the policy and we forget that uh, uh, the capacity of uh, our administration also needs to be boosted. Uh, you find that uh, they have invested a lot in building human capacity to tackle some of these uh, very complex sectors, but they have in immense challenges, both in numbers of the human resource, but also the technical capacities of those human resources. Some oh, sectors yeah. are very complex, for instance, the ICT sector, petroleum sector. Um, uh, they, they are complex to manage all audit. And and what happens is that uh, the administration will invest a lot in building capacity of some of our core staff to handle the sectors. But uh, given the competing remuneration with the private sector, such people cannot be sustained. They, they end up going to private firms and companies. Uh, and then they have now to retrain other new core staff. So that 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 issue of capacity building and also the numbers themselves to man the, the, the revenue administration has been a challenge, um, which needs to be addressed if you are to mobilize um, enough, enough our revenue. So when we, and, and, then, and then of course, we know that the national companies are always moving ahead of uh, the revenue administration. They have the best brains around. They invest in tax planning schemes, which are very complex to 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 crack by tax administrations. So all those factors need to be uh, handled from both the policy side and also uh, from the tax administration side. There have also been the issue uh, of. Uh, Autonomy of the revenue agency or the revenue administration. Uh, when this government came into power and uh, tried to create an autonomous body in 19, they came into power in 1986. And in around 1991, we saw uh, the Uganda Revenue Authority being established to be an, an independent and autonomous, uh, semi autonomous revenue agency uh, from the Ministry of Finance. But we have also had cases where you find uh, the political elites. Circumvent the tax policy and they don't pay the, the the fees that are due to them. In such a case, the tax paying morale among the political, the, sorry, the larger population is 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 lowered or uh, is undermined because of such cases. Which, when such cases come into the public domain, uh, even the people who are willing to pay the little they are paying are saying, uh, if the political elites are not paying their fair share, how? Why should I be uh, coerced to pay? So it kills the tax model. So we would love to see a revenue agent that uh, is largely autonomous and is ready to take on decisions uh, without interference of the political arena or the political elites. That oversight uh, should be uh, uh, the oversight over the revenue agents should not be misused by by the political elites. I would love to see a country where the revenue agents works on their own and their independence. Thank you.
0: Robert, thank you so much for your insights. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've been listening to Tax Conversations Africa, the podcast powered by the Tax Justice Network Africa in partnership with the Institute for Economic Justice and the general support from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation. For more information and episodes, please visit our website on www.taxjusticeafrica.net. For questions, comments, or opinions, email us on info at taxjusticeafrica.net.